waiting all year long For November to come along Freezing rain and the chance of snow And that bitter wind starts to blow And with the bus in a rut and a hard coat run And the pressure falling down It's all lining up like the perfect storm Got the perfect stand for a northwest wind and the moon is on the rise. This is gonna be one of those hunts to remember. Sweet November. Welcome back to the second half of this morning's Gone Outdoors. Kyle Agri and Scott Brewer talking fishing, talking hunting, talking everything you can do outdoors on KWSN Sioux Falls and the mighty 790 KFGO Fargo. I had to get that one in, Scott. It's uh, this will be the last weekend in November, so we're going to pack that one away for another eleven months. But uh, and it's still very uh, fitting right now on this segment. So absolutely, absolutely, we return with another another segment with Forrest Leach talking planning a trip out state, away from your home, somewhere you've not been, someplace new, someplace that is uh, bringing you to new experiences. Forrest, thanks for sticking around for another segment. Absolutely. Okay, we talked a little bit about last segment, your planning, your research, all that went into getting ready for this trip. Uh, when you decided, hey, I'm I'm going to Kansas, I'm going to hunt public land, I'm going to do this. How long did you put into getting that tag? Was it a, a, a many multiple year process or did you get it relatively early? Yeah, so the, the nice thing with Kansas right now anyways is it's, it's really not uh, too difficult of a tag to draw. I, I drew on my second year applying. Um, using that go hunt, um, website, I could see my draw statistics and odds, um, going into the draw without any points, your first year drawing or applying, you have, you know, anywhere from a 70 to 80% chance, depending on your unit. Um, right now, all the units have a hundred percent draw odds with one point. So I ended up going into it with one point drawing it on my second year. Okay. You're, you're, uh, approaching this hunt as a public land hunt, uh, other hunters hunting pressure, Things like that have to be a consideration. How do you factor that into the plan? Yeah, that's always one of the biggest kind of unknown variables on public, of course. You can always see what the weather's going to do. You can see where you're going to go and everything, but you never know what uh, what the rest of the people are going to do. So my, uh, my way to kind of get around that or combat that is to have a plan A, a plan B, all the way through a plan Z, because you never know how many spots are going to have people on them. Um, the other thing is, try to plan some kind of unique access or some overlooked spots that the rest of the hunters might not hit. Um, we were actually down there on pheasant opener. So any spots that look good to a pheasant hunter, we're going to have pheasant hunters in there too. So you got to try to think about not only the deer hunter pressure, but the pressure from other, other outdoorsmen as well. That is very interesting. That's something that I really um, wasn't in the front of my mind. And you brought that up. That's a, that's a hugely influential factor, obviously, uh, other types of hunting seasons that are going on, other types of game people are pursuing. Okay, so you chose, we talked about this last segment too, you chose archery. You're going to pursue this hunt uh, through archery. Talk us through it now. You, you're you leaving home. You're headed down there. You're, the research is done. The tag's in your pocket. Where do you go from there? Yep, so I start out um, just like any other hunt. Most of my research takes place at home, looking at a really big picture on the internet, satellite imagery. Once I've kind of narrowed down my unit, drawn my tag, and I'm, I'm going down to the area, the first thing I'm going to do, my first couple days even sometimes of a hunt, um, takes place in the pickup. Um, to me, 
a day or two spent scouting is just as valuable as four or five days spent in a tree. So I spent my first couple days just driving around, getting a lay of the land, kind of seeing where the hunting pressure was, maybe seeing if I could spot some deer right from the road at first light or last light. Um, once I did that, I started to narrow it down even smaller and doing kind of the same thing just um, on my feet, you know, boots on the ground, kind of going through these public land areas really quick, just finding where the most fresh sign was, and kind of putting a game plan together to finally actually get in a tree. Okay, so that's smart. That's really smart. Uh, really getting to know and studying firsthand the land that you're going to be hunting. Okay, so you do that. It's the morning that you're going to get out there and actually get a sit with your bow in your hand. Walk us through that next step. Tell us how that next process, step in the process went for you. Yep, so what I like to do, and this time of year especially, early November all the way through the end of November, a whole month, I'm doing lots of all-day sits. So I'm kind of planning on the wind. I'm seeing if the wind is going to shift midday or not, and I'm trying to pick my stand location accordingly, trying to sit somewhere you know close to the bedding where some mature bucks might cruise by and try to scent check that bedding. Um, then I'm factoring in if that wind's going to do a midday switch, do I have to get down and move to the other side, something like that, or move to another spot altogether. Um, so I'm doing a lot of uh, mobile hunting, hopping around. I'm hanging my stand as I go in. I'm not leaving stands or using a ladder standing or anything like that. I kind of go in, let the fresh sign tell me where to end up setting up and kind of adjust accordingly. You mentioned something for us. You mentioned wind. Now, I rely very heavily on a good app that's going to tell me where the wind is on an hour-by-hour basis. I want to know your opinion on that. Is there a particular one that you use? Um, I kind of use the average of all the different apps I look at. Um, It seems like there's never one that will be exactly right. But if I had to just pick one, there's an app that's just called uh, Windy. And that one seems to be um, the most accurate uh, most of the time. Fantastic. I use WindFinder, and I found that to be a really, really good one, too. I'll have to check that one out. Hey, Forrest, I got a question for you. You know, you are filling us full, literally a pile of information. Anybody that wants, that's even thinking about this, hopefully they're taking notes. If not, they can go back and listen to the podcast later. Um, Because you're telling us about all your experiences, all the things that you did to make this a successful hunt. I know from experience, one of the most one of the things that I learned the most from is the things that I did wrong or the things that I learned during that hunt that I may have should, may have could have done better. What did you learn from this hunt that you maybe should have tried or something that you may have could have done better that may help our listeners? Definitely. That's probably my favorite thing about going to a new state, a new place, a new hunt, whatever is you just learn so much. Um, doing the same thing year in and year out, you never pick up as much as you would on a, a new thing. Um, so my, I guess my biggest takeaway on this hunt was the, the day before I actually got my deer, um, I had another nice buck full draw at eight yards and I didn't, uh, I didn't get it done. Um, my setup was a little bit wrong. I was hunting from the ground. I was behind a little tree that I should have been at a different angle. So that was one takeaway is kind of envisioning where the deer are going to come by you before the moment of truth, trying to get all set up. Um, the other takeaway I learned there was just to be more aggressive. You know, that time of year, you only have kind of a short window when those deer are so ramped up and full of testosterone that they're going to they're gonna commit to decoys, calls, things like that. And you can kind of get away with a little more than you'd think you would. Um, uh, an October or a September whitetail is going to be a lot more different animal than a November whitetail. Um, so I would say 
any mistake I learned that I would kind of try to do differently next year is I would bring a decoy and get a lot more aggressive, get in on those um, dominant bucks that were kind of chasing the other bucks away, um, not be so worried about kind of staying on the outskirts, really getting in there, getting aggressive, taking advantage of that time of the year when the bucks are kind of a little bit um, off their guard. Fantastic. Forrest, we've got a limited amount of time here, just a little over a minute left. Tell us about the moment of truth. Tell us about when it all came together. Yeah, so it uh, it never, ever goes as you're, as you're envisioning it. Um, I can tell this story for 20 minutes, but I'll kind of give you the brief rundown. I saw two bucks fighting each other to the death. It almost seemed like they were fighting and fighting, and they ran down into a little coulee, so I ran down to cut them off. I got within a couple hundred yards of them, and I realized they were actually locked together. So we were going to try to get them separated, but they were running and running. There was no way we were going to catch them. So eventually I got close enough that I could take one of the deer to kind of stop the situation. After that, we got up close enough, um, sawed the antlers off the other one and let him go. So we, uh, instead of having two of them locked together dying, we were able to harvest one and let the other one uh, go for next year. Wow. We should have got to that story earlier. <laughs> it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it never would have happened if you didn't decide you wanted to explore and hunt a different state. That's right. I would recommend it to anybody. Wow. I am just in awe. Forrest, thank you for sharing this with us and all of our listeners. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, the one other note we had that we wanted to ask you about, and we ran out of time here, but I think it's worth mentioning is that different states have different special considerations after you harvest an animal. And that comes from our CWD scenarios and others. Make sure you know what's going on in your state with the regulations before you uh, start transporting those animals after the harvest. Forrest, thanks again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with a whole lot more Gone Outdoors. From November to come along.